Welcome to the Love Reimagined Podcast. If you're tired of hearing about a God who is supposedly represented perfectly through Jesus, but is less kind than you, your grandma, and even Hitler, this podcast is for you. We welcome you to join Joe Chadburn, that's me, and friends as we reimagine Father through the perfect lens of Christ. Now, we occasionally tip a few sacred cows, but be assured that no members of the bovine species were harmed during the recording of this episode you are about to enjoy. is Joe. We are going through Ephesians, the entire book, verse by verse. Right now we're on Ephesians 1.4. Really looking forward to digging into this with you. So here goes. I'm just going to read the verse and then we'll break it down here. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Okay. So he's chosen us. Now, who's us? Paul is talking to Ephesians. He's talking about uh, these people used to worship Diana. These these people <laughs> were pagan worshipers. And Paul is saying that, hey, and even you look in Ephesians 5, these people were predestined. They were chosen. So you got to say, who is us? And I want to dig into that a little bit. Who did God choose? Before the foundation of the world, was it just a few that were, uh, you know, going to uh, live forever in eternal bliss and in God's love and, uh, yeah, and be part of his family? Or is it just a just a select few, <laughs> you know, or, or is it a large group or is it everyone? We're going to talk a little bit about that and get us to think beyond uh, what religion has taught us, you know, uh, beyond even what you know, my formal theological training taught me, and uh, things that I learned that really violated my conscience. And as I've studied throughout the years, I've my opinions, my beliefs uh, have changed, my convictions have changed about certain things. So, you know, a lot of times there, there are nagging dilemmas that we have that we need to deal with. We can't just poo-poo over them, and we have to be real. And a lot of people are asking a lot of questions in these days, and, uh, and it's time to be real, time to really be real with ourselves and to, to think, you know, um, these things that I've been taught, were they, did the apostles teach them? Did Jesus teach them? Uh, did the church fathers teach them? Are these teachings relatively new? Um, when did this teaching come about? How did I get the mindset that I have? And I think that that is, is really, really important. Because um, I'm going to tell you, if you really, you know, if you believe in eternal conscious torment and you don't believe that, that God loves everyone and chose everyone, okay, then, uh, then I mean, you would be absolutely, uh, you know, a despicable human being if you weren't just, you know, literally shouting it from the rooftops and, and, <laughs> and you know, talking to every single person, you know, um, t telling them how to avoid e eternal conscious torment, okay? Um, you'd go crazy, and a lot of people are going crazy. Um, 
And if, if they, if they really believe that, okay, there's all this guilt, this condemnation. And so we need to, I, I really believe there's some things that we need to examine. And I'm not trying to throw dogma at anyone today. Um, search the scriptures for yourself, search history, uh, understand original audience relevance, understand uh, culture of, of the day when things were written Okay. Um, understand understand history, linguistics, uh, metaphorical language, hyperbole, uh, different various forms of literature that are used in the Bible, uh, hermeneutics, how we are to study the Bible and uh, and learn from from various camps and what people have believed for thousands of years, because there are certain things in the West that we believed and that we've been taught that uh, some folks have never believed. Certain denominations and people from other places, especially in the East, have never believed. And so we need to really examine some things. So, you know, a nagging dilemma, getting back to this, is who's chosen? Who is in the in crowd? Who's part of the family? Um, who are going to be God's children forever? And who is who are going to suffer eternal conscious torment? I, I had a nagging dilemma since, since 1987. It, it, that dilemma began. Um, and it was this, and I asked my pastor, and he gave me a very insufficient answer. It, ne it never set right with me. But uh, I was like, what about uh, the unreached people? What about adolescents uh, in the jungle somewhere, who in a remote area, who have never heard the gospel? What about some child, some let's say some teenager, or someone in their 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever, in North Korea, who had been taught that... Uh, that Kim Jong-un is a deity, and they've never even heard the name of Jesus, haven't had a sufficient gospel witness, haven't uh, had any altar calls or said the sinner's prayer. And by the way, you won't find an altar call or a sinner's prayer in the entire Bible, okay? So yeah, much less the New Testament. So have fun with that one. But uh, we, we make stuff up in the West, and there's all these formulas and everything that can't be substantiated through Scripture or through history. So it, just a nagging dilemma. What happens with these people? And, and I was told, well, if they have not heard the gospel and they have not said the prayer, they are going to suffer eternal conscious torment. No ifs, ands, or buts about it unless they had a special visitation from, from God and saw Jesus and their heart was turned these people are doomed. And then one has to come to the conclusion that uh, that many people, most people, as a matter of fact, the overwhelming majority of people, billions and billions of people uh, for millennia um, have died and will suffer eternal conscious torment under that formula, under that understanding. And that never really set right with me. And I was like, what, well, what about children? And then they would talk about an age of accountability theory, okay? Um, it's a bit less cruel, but unsubstantiated nevertheless. You're not going to find that in the Bible. But of course, people feel horrible about sending children to eternal conscious torment, so they have to come up with something there, okay? So these are, these are things we need to think about. What about, uh, there's so many different scenarios here. Uh, what about Holocaust victims? Uh, did God one-up Hitler with every non-Christian Jew? Is every Jew that uh, suffered in a, in a uh, gas chamber and was incinerated? Okay. Um, <laughs> wow. 
going going to eternal conscious torment? Did God one up Hitler? We have to we really have to think about that and weigh that in the balance, okay? Uh, and, and really think hard about these things. Um, what about suicide victims? What about, let's take a young 16-year-old girl who's been raped by her father and, and her brothers, her uncles, just, I mean, there's horrible scenarios out there, okay? Been drugged and, and just had all kind of horrible things happen in her life. And then she, she just takes, you know, she's just, you know, popping pills and downing it with vodka just to, just to, just to ease the pain and she overdoses. Is it eternal conscious torment for her? Or is there, can we reconcile that with Jesus? Or is there a loving father who looks just like Jesus, who the moment she leaves this, this life, okay, the moment that, uh, that her body uh, ceases to function, she's welcomed into the arms of a loving Savior who cares and died for the sin of the entire world, okay? These are things that, uh, that we need to, to ask ourselves. And I'm asking you to ask yourself these things and to be real about it because we covered these things up for so long and we need to come to terms with these things. Uh, who's in? Who's out? Who's in the club? Uh, did God roll the dice you know, uh, with this predestination thing? Okay, And why would God create people if he knew what, what loving father would, uh, would bring a child into the world knowing beforehand that they would suffer eternal conscious torment for, for maybe, okay, um, I mean, for because, of, uh, because some guy in a garden 6,000 years ago uh, ate a piece of fruit, okay, or for sins that they committed for 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, is the is the uh, the punishment uh, you know, recompense with the, with the with the crime uh, forever and ever and ever billions and billions and billions of years into eternity for th for things that people did uh, in this life? It's just it's really something to uh, to think about again. Okay, um, here, here's the thing: it bothers me that plenty of professing Christians would find no need for Jesus if the possibility of eternal conscious torment weren't factored into the equation, okay? Um, would your spouse and children be worth loving and doing life with if you didn't believe that they would torture you forever if you didn't love them back? Man, I don't love my wife and, and my sons, my adult sons now. Uh, I, I, I don't love them because I think something bad is going to happen to me if I don't love them. I love them because I value them. I, I care for them. They're precious to me. And there's nothing that they could do that would make me want to, uh, you, you know, that would make me kill them, okay? Or that would make me even beyond that to cause them to suffer eternal conscious torment. I would always want them to know that I love them, that I cared about them, that I was their father. That is just, that's, we're created in God's image, okay? And this is, this is, I mean, that's every mother who has a child in prison, regardless if, if he's a serial killer, she sees something of value in him, and that's her baby, and she loves him, okay? Is, is she more loving than God? Are we better parents and more loving than God? These are things that we need to ask ourselves, okay, and to be very real about. Uh, another thing we, we need to think about here, okay, uh, 
is sin a crime to be punished or a disease to be healed? The Eastern Church leans in the direction of a disease that needs to be healed. Here in the West, we are so punitive about everything, even with our, our correction system, to where it's it's not about reconciliation. It's not it's not about uh, you know people bettering their lives and changing or being able to change. It's just about you know looking at people as if they're animals who need to be caged and punished for the rest of their lives. Um, and this is let's see, this is this is something we need to come to terms with, okay? And and to be able to see people as created in the image of God and loved of God. I'm going to tell you this, if Hitler were brought up in a uh, in a really good family and didn't deal with the things that Hitler dealt with, okay? Uh, if Christian, if he grew up in some, you know, Christian home in America and, and he had loving parents or anywhere, or Africa or anywhere around the world, okay, uh, Palestine, wherever, if he grew up in, in a house where people loved them, wouldn't even have to be a Christian house, okay, let's um, <laughs> get beyond that. If he grew up in a house where he was cared for and loved and nurtured and, uh, and encouraged, uh, I don't believe that uh, Adolf Hitler would have turned out the way that he did, okay? Um, there there are victims, yes. Circumstances are real. Situations people are put in are real, uh, especially in our formative years. And we've got to, we really have to have compassion uh, on people and to love people. And I believe that's the heart of God. I believe that God is love. So again, we need to ask ourselves, uh, these questions, okay? Um, and another thing, well, does sin even matter if there's no eternal conscious torment? Well, God hates sin because it hurts and can uh, and can kill us, okay, and cause us to hurt one another. That's why, because because He loves us, just like we don't want our children to go play in the traffic. At least we shouldn't. OK, um, we, we, there's certain behaviors that, yes, there's certain behaviors, there's certain deeds, there are things, there are thoughts, actions that, yes, God doesn't want us involved in because it because they hurt humanity. They end up hurting us and others. And that's why he hates those things. OK, yes, God hates sin and we should hate sin, too, because it, because it always works uh, contradictory and in contradiction to love. All right. Another thing I want to touch on here that people bring up when they're talking about uh, about this subject, and this is this is so important, something that you've got to think about. Okay, uh, Matthew twenty four fourteen says, "And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world unto a witness unto all for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come." Okay, that's Matthew twenty four fourteen. Matthew 24, 34, Jesus says, Verily I say to you, this generation shall not pass. He's talking about that first century generation, okay? It would not die off, okay? People would be alive that were listening to his voice at the time when these things were fulfilled. This generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. And that includes the gospel of the kingdom being preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations before the end came. I'm going to explain that, okay? The end was the end of the Old Covenant, the end of Old Covenant Israel, the end of Jerusalem as they knew it, the end of the temple, the end of the sacrifices, the end of the Levitical priesthood. There was a new covenant, a new day. He came to make all 
things new, a new heaven, a new earth. And I cover this in other videos, uh, just, just a lot. So you can, you can go back and reference those. So we've got to understand that this gospel of the kingdom and the gospel had nothing to do. They were not going around preaching how to get to heaven and how to avoid hell. That's not what gospel meant to them. Gospel was a a Roman word. This was, if, if you will, for yeah, it, it was something that it was not a religious word. It was not something that uh, that originated with the Jews. This was a a Roman word, and it was only used for it was a news flash, okay? And it related to a Caesar. When you say the gospel of the kingdom, what you're really saying is Jesus is Lord, and Caesar is not. Trump is not. Biden is not. The next guy is not. Okay. Um, this word euangelion, okay, where we get evangelism from, gospel, okay, it pertained, it was a newsflash about a birth of a Caesar when Caesar defeated his enemies, or there was a regime change when a Caesar died and a new Caesar came on the scene, okay? And we know that a new king was born in Bethlehem. He defeated his enemies in life and in death on the cross, and in his, his, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, okay? And there was a regime change. There is a new king, a new heaven, a new earth, a new temple, a new priesthood, a new order. Thank God for that, okay? Paul wasn't beheaded, okay? Peter wasn't crucified as traditions upside down for telling folks how to get to heaven in case they got run over by a chariot. What they were declaring is Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. There's a new king, okay? Wow. There's a new king. He's included you in his family and in his living will and testament. You are welcome to participate. Ali, Ali in free, okay? He's already included you. Welcome. You can function in the kingdom right now, receive his love, and give his love away, all right? God was in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, reconciling the entire cosmos unto himself, okay? So you're already in, you're already included, you're already loved, you're already accepted. As a matter of fact, you were from before the foundation of the world, okay? And you will always be, God will always love you, God is love, all right? And sooner or later, okay, <laughs> you know, participate. We, 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 just, we just need to participate. And I'm going to get in, into this a little more. But the gospel was preached to, to the entire world, to all nations as we read that. And all the world, okay, is oikumene in, in the Greek. And it meant land. It meant an earthly part of the globe, specifically the Roman Empire, okay? And according to Paul, the gospel was preached to the entire world at that time. Colossians 1, 5 through 6 says, I, I love this. He says, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, bringing forth fruit as it does also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew of the grace of God in truth. Colossians 1.23, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. 
Romans 10, 16 through 18, okay? But I say, have they not heard? Yes, I'm reading 18. Verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words unto the ends of the world. Romans 16, 25 through 26, you're going to find again that the gospel was, was preached to, the, to all nations. Luke 2, 1, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus this is, this, yeah, that all the world should be taxed. Now, Caesar Augustus, all the world, okay? And now, did Caesar Augustus' word go to the Americas, to Far East Asia, to Australia, to New Zealand, to the Philippines, to all the Pacific Islands, and much of Africa, okay? Uh, among other places that are not included, uh, <laughs> that I didn't include. Uh, of course, it didn't reach the entire globe, every continent on the planet, every single person on the planet. That's not what it's talking about. Jesus was, was saying here that the gospel of the kingdom, okay, would be preached to the entire uh, Roman Empire, okay, to the land before the end of the old covenant and everything we talked about that had to do with it has ceased and passed away as Jesus had ushered in the new. So uh, and I say that that's a pretty good explanation of that. And you can dig deeper. And I do, I say, I've done a, a bunch of other videos myself, Colin McIntyre. There's a lot of material where we talk about uh, this particular topic. Okay. So this is not like a game of evangelical risk. Okay. I mean, how many people, okay, uh, have have we missed preaching the gospel to over the past just 2,000 plus years? It's been billions of people who have never received the gospel. Even if we, you know, reach a certain place right now, it's like, whoa, we finally did it. Well, you miss their ancestors. You miss their great, 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 great grandparents and beyond, okay? If you're just reaching them now, in the Philippine Islands, only, and a friend of mine from the Philippines told me this, they have over 7,000 islands and only half of the territory has been reached, had a sufficient gospel witness. So many people have never even heard of Jesus. Yeah, for 2,000 plus years? Are you kidding me? Were all these people, because they did not grow up in the Middle East or hear the word from, from Western evangelicals and say a prayer, are they doomed to eternal conscious torment? This is, they say, again, this is something we really need to think about. Oh, we finally did it. We, you know, when the time comes, we, we've reached every tongue, tribe, and nation with the gospel. Well, what about all these billions of people? What about the, this is the majority of people on planet Earth who have ever existed on planet Earth. We're saying that our God is love and that he's, he's destroyed them all in eternal conscious torment and that that was his will from before the foundation of the world. I don't believe so. Okay, I, I seriously don't believe so, and uh, you know, for years I've not been able to uh, to preach or teach that because um, I no longer believe it to be true. Okay, now this this can get you in trouble, and people you know won't like you, and they'll call you names, and and that's okay. I, I, I'm not. I, I of course I can't force anybody to believe anything. I'm not asking anybody to believe anything, but I'm presenting some scriptural and historical. Uh, truth here that I think is important for people to grasp, to at least look at uh, these different perspectives, okay? The early Moravians, the, the uh, Count Zinzendorf, these people were such zealous uh, 
missionaries, okay? They were people who believed in ultimate redemption through Christ, okay? And this is not uh, this is not um, just wholesale universalism we're talking about. You don't, there's no other name by which men are saved besides Jesus. Everybody comes through him. I'm the way, the truth, the life. Uh, no man comes up to the Father except through me, okay? And, and uh, yeah, but it's how long do they have to do that? And we're going to talk a little bit uh, about that. So we're not talking about, uh, yeah, that there's salvation through the flying spaghetti monster or through, uh, or through any, you know, through, through any other name besides the name of Jesus. And, and I want to get to that. There's, there's scriptures that I want to talk about here, okay? But first of all, uh, another thing, the word hell is never used in the Bible. I'm going to get I'm going to get into that, but it isn't. That's a, that's an English word that's been used and and made out to be. It's just this blanket statement that uh, every time Sheol, Hades, Gehenna, or Tartarus is used, um, then that just means eternal conscious torment. And anyone with any, I mean, understanding of linguistics, okay, and of history, has to question that, okay. St. Augustine's interpretation of hell set the tone for official doctrine uh, over the next 1,500 plus years, okay? It was, it was Augustine of Hippo in his book, City of God, published in, it was 426 AD, that set the tone for official doctrine over the next 1,500 plus years and beyond. Uh, hell existed not to reform or deter sinners, he argued, okay? So, yeah, this is this is a crazy thing. So for the first at least 426 years of the church's existence, okay, people did not believe in eternal conscious torment, okay? They did believe that every man, every woman, boy, everyone would be tried in their works would be tried in the fire, but they would be saved as through fire. And we're going to talk a little bit uh, about that uh, where we're going on. Now, yeah, prior to Augustine, hell, that's Sheol, Hades, Gehenna, Tartarus, the overall consensus of the church, again, was that hell was a place of purging, not eternal conscious torment, okay? Or this word we're using, hell. When the Roman church's in, indulgences uh, to escape purgatory, in other words, you're paying to get your loved ones out of purgatory, um, which is which is which is a dangerous doctrine. Okay, it's a doctrine of devils. It's a doctrine of greed, uh, and it's a, it, it was something that the church used to make money. Okay, but that caused the reformers to throw the baby out with the whole purging bathwater. Okay, and the fire was just eternal conscious torment and had nothing to do with purging people. Okay to where they would finally, you know, come to a place where they would, you know, see Jesus for who he is, see themselves for who they are, and to be able to, uh, to dwell in, uh, in eternal bliss and, and to participate in God's love, okay? Um, so here you go. All right. So Sheol, Gehenna, Hades, Tartarus, those are the words used in the Bible to describe hell, Okay. But there's no way any of these words should be interpreted as eternal conscious torment without question. Again, Sheol, basically the grave, a subterranean abode of the dead in the Old Testament. Uh, Hades is pretty much the, the New Testament, the Greek version of Sheol. Again, it's the grave. Okay, Gehenna was a valley of Hinnom, a garbage dump outside of Jerusalem, 
where there was actual wailing and gnashing of teeth in A.D. 70, okay? And it's also believed by many to be the site where, where uh, child sacrifices were made to Moloch, all right? A pagan, pagan deity. So this is really important. So Jesus is using hyperbolic language when referring to Gehenna and telling them, yes, there's going to be wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's going to happen, and he's telling them to escape it. But this was a literal thing when Jerusalem was burned in A.D. 70. So we have to read all of these things in context is really important before we just start going through the Bible, seeing everything, and every time we see the word hell, thinking eternal conscious torment, okay? Um, yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, that's really something to think about there, okay? And Tartarus was the name of uh, the subterranean region, doleful and dark, regarded by the ancient Greeks as the abode of the wicked dead, where they suffered punishment for their evil deeds, and it answers to Gehenna of the Jews, okay? So this is some important things to keep in mind, okay? Hell has been used as a means of religious, political, and social control, okay? to scare people so that they will behave a certain way. And I'm telling you, that doesn't work. It's the goodness of God that leads men to a mind change, to metanoia, to, to thinking differently, okay? And then speaking differently and then acting differently. It's the goodness of God. It's the love of God. It's not hanging hell over people's head, okay? Because I'm telling you, there's no way we we don't you don't you don't get in the family on your own. Jesus already did it. Okay, um, that's the bottom line. There, he already included us and chose us from before the foundation of the world. The thing is, people try to they think that uh, that their prayer or their ability to believe, which they wouldn't even have without God's love and without the Holy Spirit's belief uh, dwelling in them in the first place, they wouldn't be able to they wouldn't even be able to step out in faith that works by love and God is love. This is not something that's humanly manufactured or earned, but if someone, you know, if someone the idea that you need to, you pray to get your salvation, you say the magic words to get your salvation, and then you have to keep yourself in, that's a real thing, okay? And that God is separate, he's somewhere out there, and you're just, you know, he's he's uh, he's distant, he's reluctant to, uh, to be around you, you have to beg for his presence to be around you, um, you know, he really just can't stand you unless he's got his Jesus goggles on that he sees you through. Other than that, he sees you as vile and disgusting. No, God loves you. You're his child. These, these teachings are really, if something's hellish, it's, it's those teachings, okay? And uh, it's no wonder why people are turned off from the church and turned off from what they believe is Jesus and Christianity, okay? So, and the idea of people choosing hell, well, they chose hell. God didn't send them there. They sent themselves. They chose it, okay? Uh, I don't believe anybody chooses hell. Anybody, I just don't believe that people truly on the inside, uh, in their in their in their inner sanctum, uh, believe that a God of love would would send them to hell in the first place. They can't relate to a father like that. Okay, um, and and so no, I don't believe they're choosing that. I just I just I just think that they don't uh, they don't understand God's love. Okay, uh, that's that's the bottom line there. All right. So, yeah, and there are different views of uh, of hell, of what happens in the afterlife. Some, some believe in eternal conscious torment. 
Some believe in annihilation. Some believe in uh, in love's cleansing flame. Okay, um, N.T. Wright has some very interesting views uh, on this, to where he he believes that people can become very uh, dehumanized and even in eternity, and just become more and more dehumanized and fail to be, to bear the image of God. And that some uh, actually don't uh, don't receive God's love, even though the New Jerusalem's gates are open day and night, if I'm reading right correctly, okay? Um, and that's an interesting perspective. Uh, there, there are, let's say, there are other, are other perspectives on this. I just want you to, I just want you to, want you to think uh, about these things and, and really ask, ask the Lord to help you with them. Uh, if nothing else, it's really time to, to, to start being uh, less dogmatic about a lot of things and a lot more loving, uh, if I can say that. New Jerusalem, Revelation 21, 22 through 27, tells us that her gates are never shut. Okay, this is very interesting. Um, and her gates shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Okay, and there shall in no wise enter it anything that defiles, neither whatsoever works abomination makes a lie, but they that are written in the Lamb's book of life. Okay. But so it looks here like, and people can argue this different ways, but it appears if the glory and the honor of the nations are brought into it and the gates are never shut day or night and God's mercies endure what forever. I mean, if, if that's real, then there are many, including the church fathers and a lot of people, uh, Brad Jersak's one of them. And you can read, there's a book that he wrote, her gates shall never be shut. There's another great book by uh, David Bentley Hart that all shall be saved. Highly recommend uh, those works. And there are others out there uh, where you can get different perspectives on that. This video is really to make you think, okay, to think about God, to be able to say, can I reconcile this thing I believe with Jesus after I examine the, the evidence here? Okay. So I, th I think that's, that's really important. Okay. Um, 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15, we see here that uh, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every person's work of what sort it is. If any person's work, which they built upon, he shall receive a reward okay if any man's work shall be burned he shall suffer loss but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire okay so there is this fire of god's love that burns away everything that uh, that mars his image in us that mars beauty in us that that mars perfection in us so we're all going to go through a fire Okay. And uh, yeah, the wood, hay, and the stubble, all the religious stuff, all the self-righteous stuff, all the nonsense. Okay. All the things that man, where we just, yeah, didn't understand that mindsets are going to burn. They're even burning now in the fire of God's love. Okay. And, uh, and I think we need to, when we look at it that way, as, uh, as the church fathers did many, many, many of them. And, uh, and look at what the view was for the first almost 500 years of church history, uh, which I think matter 
um, and look at the definitions of certain things again and look at the context and then follow you know, our God-given conscience and look at what we're able to reconcile with the person of Jesus who we know by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. I think, I think it helps us to come to some different conclusions or at least to be more open-minded uh, about things, okay? So, yeah. All right. So he, he predestined us. Yeah, he's the God who has already met us where we are long before we got here or there or anywhere we've been. He cared about us. He knew about our screw-ups. He, he cared about us and included us, okay? Chose us in him uh, before there was an earth, before there was uh, a devil, before there was Adam, before there was sin. This is some powerful stuff, okay? So yeah, you got to love it. God was in Christ reconciling the entire cosmos to himself. Jesus is the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. Before there was sin, there was already a lamb for all mankind. John 1.29 says that Jesus is the lamb of God who took away the sin. That's singular. That's all the sin of the world. And he made all things new before anything was made old, before anything got messed up, okay? And this renewal project is an ongoing one under the reign of King Jesus, under his love reign, as the fire of his love is purging uh, all kind of hatred and prejudice and, and wrong thinking out of us to where we're, we're being purified, we're being changed. Don't you love it? I, th I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Okay. I also believe in uh, posthumous awakenings, meaning after someone dies a physical death, okay? And we see that the New Jerusalem gates are, are never shut. And also you see Noah, okay? Noah's generation. Now here's, here's the thing. You read 1 Peter 3, 18 through 22, for Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being quickened by the Spirit by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, okay? They were rebellious. They weren't just ignorant when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water, okay? They died in the flood, but it never says that they suffered eternal conscious torment. But here we have that Jesus went and preach to them, okay? Yeah, Ephesians 4, 7 through 10 speaks of this and says he, he, he descended, okay, into the lowest parts of the earth and led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. So the, this is really important. You can read that in Ephesians 4, 7 through 10. So this is, this is powerful. Um, and then verse 21 that we are reading, like the like figure whereunto even baptism doth now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we're identifying with his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, okay? Who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Now, the thief on the cross was not baptized in water. I encourage people to be baptized in water. It's an outward expression of an inward reality. It's a public profession that, of what King Jesus did for you, that he included you. And yeah, it's, it's an important thing, okay? But it's not everything like some people make it out to be, okay? 
Jesus saved you. Water doesn't, water doesn't save you. Jesus, Jesus saved you, okay? And he already did that, and it was already ordained from before the foundation of the world, okay? So there's Noah's generation had a posthumous okay, chance and heard the gospel and saw Jesus. I mean, I'd bank that not a one of them rejected him, okay? What about all the Israelites who died in the wilderness? Are they suffering eternal conscious torment, okay? What about those who didn't believe the report of Joshua and Caleb? Are, are they, okay, are suffering eternal conscious torment? You, have to, you really have to think about these things, all right? And if, if they did, then the old covenant was better than the new, okay? Because you're saying, well, no, they didn't have to uh, pray a sinner's prayer or have an altar call or anything like that, okay? Or even know the name of Jesus back then, okay? And yet they still made it in. All the Israelites aren't burning in eternal conscious torment. Then if that's the case and you're saying that people here who reject, sometimes it's not even the gospel, it's a false gospel, but reject what, what the church is saying, that they are going to suffer eternal conscious torment, uh, then actually the new covenant is, is not a better covenant, it's worse, okay? Because you'd get in under the, under the old covenant <laughs> just, just by believing that a Messiah was, was, was going to come, okay? So that's something that's something to think about. Or those who perhaps didn't even believe, okay, didn't even know, didn't even dawn on them. So these are some things that we, that we need to think about, okay. Um, I say, is was the whole world just just damned before Jesus came? We're, we're, is everyone under the old covenant suffering uh, in eternal conscious torment, okay? That would even be before Jesus died on the cross, even, even during his, his life on earth. If they died beforehand, what would, what would have happened to them, okay, if they, if they didn't know him? And, of course, he hadn't died on the cross yet. So if you're going by that mark as far as when people were forgiven and saying a prayer after that, then I say then they went beforehand. Uh, but, yeah, Jesus was slain from before the foundation of the world. He chose us in him from before the foundation of the world. I believe that every single person that's ever been born into this world is chosen and special and precious to their father and loved by Jesus. Wow. And the Holy Spirit just wants to, to embrace them, each and each and every one. Okay. So these are, again, these are some things that we need to think about. Psalm 118.1, and there's many other places, but God, and it just repeats it, his mercy endures forever. Romans 8, 38 through 39, okay? Uh, Paul says, for I'm persuaded that neither, the first one, death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So nothing, death can't separate us. Death can't, I don't believe death can separate mankind from the love of God. Wow. But people preach that it does. Once you're dead, you're dead. You know, yeah, you have this life. And after that, there is a judgment for things that have been done in the body. There is that, there's a purging. There's a refiner's fire that's going on now and, and, and will continue, okay, I believe. But it doesn't, this does not, why we get, go straight to eternal conscious torment instead of his mercies enduring forever and death not separating mankind from the love of God I'm not sure how we got there, but I think I think it's an ugly place, and I think it contradicts the very nature of Christ 
and the essence of what uh, of the what the word uh, is is trying to teach us here. Okay, Second Peter three nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's talking, I believe, about people perishing in A.D. 70, if you really look at the context and study that out. 1 Timothy 2.4 says, this is God, who, who will have all men, all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of his truth. Now, is he going to, this is his will. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. He will have all, all men to be saved, not just some, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay, this is, this is something. Matthew 22, 1 through 14. You read, many are called, but few are chosen. If you look in the context, he's looking. you're looking, many are invited, but few accept the invitation. And these are first century Jews he's talking about, okay, who would who would follow the way and escape Jerusalem in A.D. 70. you got to look at the context, okay? This isn't that just few people, okay, uh, just dwell in eternal bliss with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit in each other while their relatives and friends and loved ones and, and their acquaintances throughout the years just suffer eternal conscious torment. That, I do not believe that verse is saying what people think it's saying. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Ah, this is a good one. Wherefore God also highly exalted him being Jesus and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth. Yeah. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That word confess, okay, is exomologemi. Okay, exomologeomai. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm butchering that, but that's the word. Okay, Philippians two nine through eleven. Okay, you find that, but that word that every tongue shall confess is to gladly confess, to praise, to celebrate, to make an open avowal of benefits. This isn't this isn't being coerced and having a gun to your head and being like, I told you so. Oh, yes, he's Lord. Right on their way to eternal conscious torment. This is a confession. This is they are confessing Jesus as Lord. They're celebrating and praising him, okay? And making an avowal of the benefits. This is a beautiful thing. But every tongue shall gladly confess. Every tongue, every knee, and every tongue. Think about that. Okay, that verse I believe means more than evangelicals have let it mean. So this is this is really powerful. Romans 5, 18 through 19. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Okay? For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. This is not just about a few here, okay? And when the Bible says all, I believe it means all. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Yeah, I almost swallowed the mic on that. That's exciting. <laughs> Romans eleven thirty two, for God has concluded them all, Jew and Gentile, in unbelief that he might have mercy on all and his mercy endures forever and death can't separate us from the love of God. 
Okay. Yeah. What a wonderful thing. Okay. Wow. First Timothy two, three through six, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior, who have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Wow. John 12, 32, Jesus says, and if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. That means he, he that word draw means to drag. Okay. He will drag all. I love it. Hebrews 2, 9, but we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Wow. John, John 17, 2, as you have given him power over all flesh, all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Wow. John 4, 42. Okay. And. Jesus said to the woman, okay, this is the, the woman at the well here. Now we believe not because of your saying, okay? Now these, these are the people talking to, uh, yeah, these are the Samaritan people talking to the woman that spoke with Jesus. They said to the woman, now we believe not because of your saying, for we have heard, yeah, him ourselves and know this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world, okay? John 12, 47. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world, the entire cosmos. John 4, 14, whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I give shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And that, that water is always available. It is flowing from the throne in the new Jerusalem. Yes. Okay. Whose gates shall never be shut. Matthew uh, 18, 14. Even so, it is not the will of your father, which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. Okay. Not one. Yeah. Whoo. Colossians 1, 19 through 20. For it pleased the father that in him, in Jesus, should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the cross, through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, reconciled. Yes. First John 2, 2. And he is not the propitiation for our sins, and, not, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Okay? John 3, 17, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved, the entire cosmos. For therefore we labor, 1 Timothy 4, 10, and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of those that believe, okay? So here you see like two categories. He's the savior of all men, okay? But those who believe are able to walk in that love and in that deliverance, okay? And yeah, the sooner the better. That's why people need to hear that Jesus is king, that he loves them, that he included them, okay? Yeah, he, <laughs> and, and yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't like their sin because he loves them. But sin isn't the focus. His love is. And once people understand how much Jesus loves him, that's you and me, okay, included. Once we know how much Jesus loves us, okay, uh, the sin just organically 
begins to fall off bit by bit, missing the mark, the wrong thoughts, the wrong speech, the wrong actions. Those things, those things go away. Okay. Now, what we have a lot of time, what we see in, in the United States so much, especially is this hyper-Calvinism that believes that it's totally up to God who rolled the dice and purposely created people to not properly bear his image and suffer eternal conscious torment, okay? Um, he, just, he just created you. He created Adam in order to just punish an entire, uh, yeah, an entire species, an entire race uh, created in his image is, is the idea, okay? And, and nothing could be further from the truth. I, I, I do not believe. Okay. And you know, either you, either you're in or you're out because of God rolling the dice or playing favorites. Okay. And I don't believe that, that that's, that's the case. I believe that God is no respecter of persons. And then there's hyper Armenianism where it's all up to us. We make the decision, we make the choices. And I believe the new covenant reality is that we're all chosen and included and being dragged by Jesus love. Okay. And participation is what receives and manifests love and light. Again, this is not humanly manufactured. This is not up to us, okay? My prayer didn't get me in. My prayer simply acknowledged that, that when I'm acknowledging that I already that I'm already in because of him. And I'm thanking him that I'm in because of his finished work. And I believe that that is, uh, is so important to, uh, to understand, okay? So, yeah. That we might be holy. Uh, okay, I'm going to look at that. Okay. According as he chosen him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Okay? Uh, holiness and blamelessness are his work. Okay? We're already there positionally. Experientially, we're working that. That's being worked out by his love, by his spirit, and uh, if need be, by even the fire of his love. Okay? That we're that we're coming forth and growing and becoming more beautiful. Okay. Uh, yeah. He already sees us as beautiful, but, uh, but he wants us to see ourselves the way he sees us, who we really are as his image bearers to see Christ, to see ourselves in him. And then we begin to think and speak and function, function accordingly. Okay. And that word in love, we are in love. We are in God and we're without blame before him in that love, but uh, New American Standard begins, uh, says, in love, and then it carry, uh, he predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. So, um, and of course, translators put in these various punctuation marks and, and whatnot, but regardless of how you look at it like that, this is in love. This is in God, who is love, who chose us, and I believe he loves, I don't believe that God has created any human being that he doesn't love, okay? And I be, I don't believe that death can separate any man, woman, boy, or girl who's ever existed um, from his love. God will always love us and always care for us. And again, if there's hope for people in the days of Noah, um, yeah, then if there's hope for people uh, in North Korea who have never heard the gospel, think Kim Jong-un is God, okay? Uh, people who have never, uh, you know, received what we believe in the West as a sufficient gospel witness. Um, you know, we believe, many of us believe that there's hope. Uh, they believed in this hope in the <laughs> just about the first 500 uh, years. They were in the, uh, the definite overwhelming majority. People believed uh, exactly what I'm talking about today. So 
God bless you. I know we'll get some uh, some feedback on this. And again, this is this is just something that I am putting out there. I'm not someone who forces my beliefs on anyone. And uh, yeah, I, uh, as in any video, any teaching, uh, this is not this is not it. Okay. Um, and 30 years ago, I wouldn't have agreed with my 55 year old self. And as I grow, if I live to be in my 70s and 80s and beyond, I'm sure that my uh, my understanding and uh, my love uh, will will develop even even more. Okay, as I as I grow in God and as I grow in wisdom and understanding, and as I uh, yeah, and as I am more and more of a student and not just, and we shouldn't be casual readers of the Bible who just have devotions or listen to what somebody else has regurgitated. But yes, yeah, study those things out. Be Bereans. Don't, uh, you know, don't take anything I'm saying for, for granted. Go read it, okay? Read it. Uh, uh, look look for, uh, for different research materials. And uh, even those who don't, uh, don't like what, what, what I'm saying, those that disagree with me, that's that's fine. I look, I listen to people who disagree with me and it helps me to grow and to be able to a lot of times rebut, uh, you know, the various arguments and see where, Hey, that, that doesn't hold water and to, and to know why it doesn't hold water. And, uh, things like this can really be, yeah, like, like throwing people into, uh, a bucket of cold water, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's some pretty, yeah, some pretty serious stuff, some eternal stuff, some things that we need to, uh, to think about and not uh, not take lightly by any means. So I'm going to close with that. I could go on. Haven't said everything that I could say about this particular verse, but I think you got the crux of uh, of what I'm uh, trying to bring forth here. And I uh, hope that it blesses you. And I hope that you're able to, uh, yeah, to take this even further and deeper into your studies. So God bless you. If you have any comments, you can put it uh, in the in Facebook and in YouTube. Any questions, and we can do some follow up. I'd even I'd love to do some uh, some live sessions, whether recorded or unrecorded, just with groups and uh, to be able to discuss these things. Maybe get some uh, some other people on this uh, on a panel, various scholars and people who have uh, who have studied this, written books on uh, on this particular topic. So, who knows. Um, but uh, just wanted to get that out there because I love people and I think that uh, that this is really important to share. So God bless. Have a, uh, a wonderful, wonderful week and look forward to seeing you again. Thanks so much for being with us today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe and share with your family, friends, and those who have yet to discover their awesomeness and yours. You can also check us out at lovereimagine.org. Again, no cows were harmed during the recording of this episode. <laughs>